The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Here we go. The inauguration has happened. And there he goes. Kingly power. Executive orders. All given to us. Through us. Because of our sins. That's what he's been coming for 31 years for to show us that you make the bed that you lay in. You get the leaders as a consequence of your actions. We failed the statutes that God's given us, the Ten Commandments. We have Christmas. Jesus says, I am your peace. Live my commandments. And we have a dictator taking office. People may say, this is a difficult thing to accept. A friend of Medjugorje speaking about the messages and talking this way about an individual. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to love our enemies. 
But nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're not to know our enemies. We have an enemy. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Dictatorial power has been built for the last four years. It's in there. They fired the first shot. And because I say these things and you say, I won't read that book, it's your loss. I won't debate you. You're dead wrong. You're uninformed. And I won't say you're uneducated. You're educated by the world. If you're praying, if you're fasting, if you're going by what the church teaches, not what you teach or what you think you should tell what the church teaches, that it's okay to be this or have abortions or whatever and still be Catholic or Christian. But you go by what the church's teachings are. You'll know we got an enemy as a president to this nation and good. We're to yearn for good. The Father is good. We don't have honesty in our nation. We don't have honesty in the voices that speak about our nation. There's varying degrees of it. You might have people that have some Christian basis of principles and conservative in some ways that may be espousing certain principles and they call down the resistance against God. But they speak profanity. Publicly. They normalize things, that everything's okay. And so why should we wonder what's coming our way and or whether we know it's coming our way. Everybody knows what's coming our way. The left, the right, the middle, the end, the up, the down. We all know that, whichever party you belong to. Everybody knows what's coming down. Something we will recover. But nobody has the answer. And it's while they came and she says, God exists. He is truth. We have a problem with truth. What is the truth of our situation today? Do you see it in truth? If you did, you would see we're not going to recover. If you did, you know our days are numbered. If you're well informed, you would know your enemies. And you lose your battles. And you lose your battles because you don't. How do we fight? It's too deep to go into a show about metronomics at this moment. We've had so many people asking questions about they fired the first shot. Maybe we should do a once a month show just answering questions that come up through the month and updates on it. We're looking at that. Of course, we just announced that we were having our first conference. What is it, April 16th to the 19th? Is April it? 18th to the 20th. 18th to the 20th. It's going to be limited. It's going to be um, sold out as far as the attendance. We're going to have to cap it. So if you really need to come, you really want to come, you need to check in that, go online and check that out. But getting back to the seriousness of the situation we found ourselves in, Joan's story this week I reviewed, I don't agree completely with it, but it's dead on in the spirit of what it's saying. This comes from author David Coltz uh, in an article called The Coming Fiscal Tsunami. 
As a nation, we are about to be drowned by entitlement debt. The United States will soon confront a major economic problem, perhaps one unparalleled in the nation's history. It won't strike tomorrow, next week, or next month, but it is out there. Its roots sown by the demographics of the past half century and a body politic hesitant to tamper with aging institutions of government. When it emerges, like a tsunami, the destructive consequences of amassing unprecedented federal indebtedness will be overwhelming, and though seemingly distant, when it rears its head, it will rise suddenly in our consciousness, as if coming without warning. While a searing left-right ideological debate pervades the nation's economic dialogue, the enormity of our hovering dilemma gets short shrift. The lack of clarity in the policy discourse, the inclination by lawmakers to procrastinate on politically difficult decisions, and the propensity to pass blame and kick the can down the road are stunning. But like the tearing down of the Twin Towers, a hurricane devastating the Louisiana coast, or an earthquake striking San Francisco, our looming fiscal problem has no political division. It is not a democratic or a Republican problem. It has no party signature. It is simply an American problem. And as it draws ever closer, the need for political convergence becomes ever more pressing. The problem is very transparent. Unlike the miasma of derivative markets or the opaque operations of hedge funds, it's not clouded by the verities of our financial institutions. It's a pretty straightforward dilemma. As our federal government or our federal budget deficits have grown, the level of debt taken on by the U.S. Treasury has risen precipitously. Some people take solace by looking at other nations whose debts represent a considerably larger share of their economic output, making our debt seem manageable. But given the sheer magnitude of our problem, this measure may obscure how significant even a moderate increase in the debt would be and the risk it would pose if we stay on our current course. The challenges in our path are not modest. Starting today and continuing over the next 20 years, the post-World War II baby boom generation will nearly double the nation's aged population, and the baby trough that followed and has lingered since, will slow the growth of the working population, the baby boomers, and the major advances in life expectancy for subsequent generations will cause a swelling number of recipients of Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, and the expenditures of those programs will soar, programs whose creation and inherent promises largely preceded the birth of those who now or will soon seek their benefits. Our looming economic tsunami is simply the mountain of debt those promises portend. Ultimately, what's at issue is our, fu our future risks, future risks to our economy, our ability to grow, our standard of living, and our national security. Today, we may be in a bubble. The dollar is king, and so are our government securities. But where will we be in 10 years? It's not just the trajectory of our debt, but what causes it? Our government's propensity to spend more than we are willing to tax ourselves. The level of debt the Treasury has issued publicly 
could rise to more than $11 trillion by the end of this year. But if we count the debt it owes to the Medicare and Social Security trust funds, as well as to other entitlement programs, another $5 trillion, our debt-to-economy ratio suddenly rises above 100%. As a nation, we have come to treat borrowing as simply another ready source of revenue, a spigot that we blithely presume will continually supplement what we tax ourselves. But it's not, and it won't. It's a loan that needs repaying, and as such is a claim against future taxes, taxes that we may someday fall short because the loan and our spending expectations have grown too large. There is no single trip wire that signals danger. Complacency has a way of perpetuating itself. No pain, no worry. However, like the precipitous bursting of the tech bubble in 2000, like the air coming out of the housing market in 2008, and like investor panic over the mounting debts of established European nations, inattentiveness and procrastination toward the rising debt of the world's largest economy will someday catch up with us, likely quick and with little warning. As a policy path, the status quo won't suffice. There's no calamity at our front door today, but the warning signs are there. It's an amazing thing to me to see something like this written and be so accurate and still not see fully the situation. He wrote, it, may, it won't strike next week or next month, but it's out there. The fact of the matter is, it will strike tomorrow the day before. And so some of these things put us off, like we got 10 years, he mentioned 10 years in there. There's something missing when they say things like this. We have a converging looming storm over us right now. But we got to remember, every storm runs out of rain. A mild storm hits, it leaves, we go about our business. Sandy hits, and we don't continue as we did before. The problem is, is, Sandy had outsiders could help to what degree they did. I know there was a lot of complaints that they didn't. But just think if everything's a Sandy. Because it doesn't have to be a physical storm. An economical storm will affect everybody just like it did Sandy, where people were digging within three days in the dumpsters to eat. And I'm not talking about street people. People who had means suddenly found themselves so deep into population zones that the humanity of the numbers made it where it wasn't an urgency that we have people starving. Even though they're working in urgency, you go used to where well, everybody's hungry. See, that became the norm. And then people were in dumpsters. Amazing thing. How quick that happened. So what if the world, whole world Changes that, and there's nobody to help you. See, there were still outsiders that came to help. There was still some stability and infrastructure within the zone. But economics touches every single person on the earth today, even the Amish, who have grown more and more dependent on tourist trades and dollars, that they've cranked up their, their non-electric shops with air, running by gasoline, electric generators, running an air compressor, rather. So they got a loophole. 
they're connected very strongly into the economy. Very few people are going to be unscratched. In fact, that's an understatement. Very few people are going to be uncut because we're going to be sliced. It's not just a little scratch. He wrote, taxes that we may, that may someday fall short. What is that about? See, they don't have the full truth. They can't go all the way. It's not a chance that it's may going to fall short. It will fall short. He wrote, perhaps one unparalleled, or rather about the fiscal situation, that what's going to happen, perhaps, he says, is unparalleled in our nation's history. There's nothing in our nation's history is going to experience what we're going to collapse. 1929 would be a piece of cake. We've never been this far from the soil. We've never been this dependent on man to feed us or some institution or company or trucking 1,500 miles away to get your food. We've never had such an integrated system like this. Never in history. And when it collapses, you're going to have people hungry. And when you go to the dumpster, you're going to have somebody that's already beat you there. And if you didn't beat them there, the thugs will drive you away for their food for what they have in the dumpster. They'll beat you. Either way, you're going to be beat. Think about the life. Ali says, reflect on your future. We say this all the time. But think about the pictures we've been given by the trial runs like Sandy or Katrina, the tsunamis, Greece, Italy, Portugal, the riots. What happens when the whole world economically collapses? It cannot continue. It's an aging economic system, and everything that ages eventually dies. The reality of this is not perhaps unparalleled. It is. What is this guy missing? I'm not being critical of him. It's a good article. But what's missing is all these messages. He doesn't have the full picture. God is truth. He exists. You offend God, you offend yourself's well-being. The care of what God would provide for you. Live my statutes. Your grain bills will be full. Don't live them. They'll be empty. And so we have a fear in writing by people. Perhaps, I mean, he knows it's coming, but he says, perhaps unparalleled. It is no perhaps about it. It is going to be unparalleled. It just doesn't take a lot of wisdom. For me, it doesn't take a lot of wisdom to see it. I see it. Most people are following it. But still, we have people writing in here that are uninformed. I'm amazed some of the miserable people still how lacking they are in having the vision to see where we're going with this and where it's headed. It's not may one day fall short. It will fall short. Just say it. The facts are there. But they don't have the confidence of God. They don't have the prayer life. They don't have severe, deep prayer or serious deep prayer and and serious fasting to say with confidence what's going to happen. Because they might think, oh, well, that's prophetic. Well, what is is what is. I can't go there. It don't have to be prophetic. Everything shows it. And of course, that's what I was doing. 
So when he says it may strike next week, or strike tomorrow, next week, next month, but then he qualifies that and he said, you know, he don't think that's going to happen right now. And the only reason it's not happening is because God's blocking it. It's already supposed to happen. God's protecting us. Why? Because he had to protect the people who was building the ark, knowing his sons and his workers, even though they may have been some of the ones that drowned in the flood. Who knows, the workers. Until the ark was ready to be closed up. The sentence was given. And Our Lady is a sign that God's given sentence. When she says, you're not times masters, be ready. Children, pay attention for your own well-being. Live this time of grace. What, you know, so a time when you get to know God more. This is my time. What else do you need? And why are you procrastinating? Why are you still looking at your, your Medjugorje devotion? It's only an eternal thing. It's temporal. Our Lady's coming physically on the earth, physically, in front of Maria. Maria's physically talking to her. It's a temporal thing with Maria in that sense. While she's in the crosshairs or in the cross sections of, of temporal and eternal. But eternal has decided our life for eternity in the temporal walk we walk now. Why would you not make decisions on the physical well-being of the environment that lives the holy way of life and watching what you do, what you expose yourself to, and how you place yourself in your daily routines, your community that surrounds you to be holy? That's a factor. A Connecticut shooter, Lang, what's his first name? Lang, whatever his name is. His environment affected him deeply. The divorce, playing video games. This is a big factor. It's interesting what you're saying about the second. The, you, you talk, you're talking about this economic problem. And before, and you, essentially what you're saying is that this is a moral problem. And you've talked about this before. But something came to mind when you were in the middle of speaking about this. And you just actually just said something. What... Hurricane Sandy did on a physical level, Sandy Hook showed us on a moral level uh, a problem, both of them taking place in the Northeast, uh, both of them Sandys. Um, it's almost showing the parallel of what well, you're saying. Well, I've often thought about this point. There's no question that Sandy Sandy is a mistake. That's not, well, perhaps there's some connection there. Perhaps there's some connection there. Perhaps, give me a break, how stupid can we be? God's showing there's a connection. He's connecting everything. Right, he's come to connect all the dots. It's not a difficult thing to do if you're praying, if you're fasting. It's a difficult thing to do if you're not praying and you're not fasting. Because then you come up, perhaps, or it won't be next year. It's out there. May someday fall short. May, perhaps. Actually, this guy said it won't strike tomorrow, next week, or next month. But it's out there. That's crazy talk. That's talk without wisdom. 
90% of what he says is right. But he's not praying. He's not fasting. To the degree he should, because he wouldn't say that. He would see through God's wisdom and be touched by God's grace that there's no perhaps about it. This is God come back time. Am I saying the second coming? No. But it's like I told the ABC producer years ago. When he asked me, do you think this is the second coming? I said, no doubt about it. When is it going to be? He said, well, that's the question. Five years, 50 years, 500 years. That's what we don't know. But everything our lady's doing in this antichrist system we see and the personages that we see now in positions of authority, our lady has come to interrupt that. This is a trial run. Because we're going to experience the springtime for the church. Our lady said in 2000, a possibility opens up for you for this next century for peace. And I believe our lady will triumph. Can we just sit back? No, because the tragedy is how many people will triumph with her? How many people will walk in that triumph? How many souls will be, souls will be lost to hell in the meantime? Or unnecessarily spend a thousand years in purgatory? We have to work urgently in spreading the messages, urgently to get the word out, urgently to affect our temporal well-being, creating a holy spiritual community and environment to live around in the end, instead of a satanic Hollywood, filth-driven, vile environment that we're immersed in every day when you just go out in your car. Frank, are you there? Yeah. And uh, there's certain things that we just won't be able to see without Our Lady's messages and without putting them into life. <laughs> and it's incredible after 31 and a half years of Our Lady coming, she says to those that are paying attention on her monthly message on Christmas, nothing. But Jesus says, I am your peace, live my commandments. And without these five major writings that uh, you've written by putting Our Lady's messages into life, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So if it weren't for ICFAR, I wouldn't have been able to do what look what happened while you're sleeping was saying to do. And that's to stop on the Lord's Day and rest and let Him work in you. Completely stop. Don't buy or sell. Don't rationalize that it's it's the franchisors not letting me live my conscience, but to stop. And I wouldn't have been able to live what's written in the day prior to the first shot, 2012, which Our Lady has helped immensely by being obedient to the Lord's Day and, and selling my business. Probably have gained 10 years by um, miraculous things that have happened since I've sold the store. This is the thing that if you don't put, put the messages into life, and that's what these five major writings do, is help us put the messages into life, you won't see, particularly I see far. You can't read this and say it's for somebody else. Anyone listening to this, if you haven't read it, if you haven't put it into place, order it, read it, or just throw away the television. This is very dangerous. 
I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now or see what I'm seeing without this or live the commandments without this writing. And this is the problem today, that our Lord has to say to his Christians, after 31 years of his mother coming to tell us, live my commandments. And we're the problem. Well, you bring up a point. How long have we been TV-free here? 20 years now? Yeah, at least. What year did we crash the TV? 1994, I think. And there's no way I could be doing what I did if I had television. And what that does was bring clarity of thought. I could suddenly see things I couldn't see before. Because no matter what you do, what they tell you now, there's studies out there, don't go to bed within an hour or two hours of watching television because you, your your brain rhythms and the and the way your brain works, you can't get to sleep right. You may fall asleep, but then you won't sleep pr- properly. It affects you. So this certainly affects the way you view things. The 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 advertisers and the industries wouldn't be spending hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising had they not done so much research to show how this affects your thinking and delivering a temptation to be a consumer. Did you notice I said, a temptation to be a consumer? Did you know a lady had said once an incredible message of consumerism due to the evil spirit of consumerism, basically. Or she said, due to the spirit of consumerism, and then later she said evil. Clearly identifying consumerism is an evil thing. Because we're buying things we don't need. We, don't, we can do without. And so we're coming to something healthy. We're going to see what we really need. We're going to think we need this, we need that. We're going to find out we don't need as much as we thought we needed. And we're going to come to a cleaned-out society. Because the only way to fix an aging economic system is to rebirth. And if you've ever stepped on an anthill and tried to annihilate it, they didn't rebuild the same thing as the different anthills, the same ants, but they had to rebuild the whole system. But with this sandy, sandy, comes reflection. That something's not right. Everything's aging in the wrong way. It's too integrated. It's too complex. It's too, too tangled up. And so Frank, what he was referring to, he, he had pizza franchises. And he talked to me years about this. And I said, you got you to go to him. He went to the owners of the company. Hey, the franchise requires him to be open on Sunday. Frank's asked me before. And I said, you, you have to go to him and do what you got to do. He met with them, tried to convince them, and went real strong with them, gave him the book. Look what happened while you're sleeping. I see far, whatever you gave him. And they were listening, and they were bending toward it, but then they rejected it. So it comes down to, Frank's down to the wire, because you can't just come up and get converted and then change your life situation when you've been growing it, this tree with bad fruit for, for a decade a wife can't be out there working, having two cars in a garage and a husband, and then suddenly realize, I need to stay home with my kids. And she can't, her income is forced now because she's got everything mortgaged to, with her husband to both cars, big house than they need. You don't just undo that. And you suffer when you do that because now you got truth and you're everyday living untruth. Frank had to go through living untruth after he identified that he was living, not living truth. And that's a suffering because you want to please God and you're stuck. And that's when our lady said June 25th, 1989 to Ivanka. 
I was at the apparition. Satan has special plans to enslave you through materialism. Frank was enslaved. He couldn't get out of it. Millions of other people across this nation and the world are enslaved and they can't get out of it. So how do you fix it? Our Lady said, today, dear children today, dear children today, you take that message and start putting it into your life. You start praying. You start fasting. Only Our Lady can fix it. You're too entangled into the system to get out of it. And as Frank strengthened, as Frank saw more light, <clears throat> as he went and all those doors were closed where he could close on Sundays and they told him no, he decided to sell out. Has no other income right now. But, you know, he couldn't have done that a year ago. He couldn't have done that two years ago. It takes strength to build to make these decisions, temporal decisions, that's going to affect your eternity. And you know what will happen when you do? God will bless you in ways that you can't even imagine in ways that you would never even dream of if you were doing spiritual fantasies. Because God won't be outdone. He will not be outdone. What you give, what you do, and what you turn over to Him, He will surpass it in His grace and His blessing. Frank, amen. amen. I was going to tell you that, amen. Amen. But I couldn't have done this without ICFAR, and, and we're out of time. And this is, you need this to prepare. You need to put this into place. I talk to people all the time. They can't see what it is they need to do. And I tell them, you hang up the phone, call Caritas, get this book, read it, and and put Our Lady's message into place, because that's what these are. These are ladies' messages transformed into life. It's what she's asking us to do. And they provide us tremendous uh, shortcuts, if you can use that term loosely, but um, this is this is what where we started, and uh, this will save you time. And then you can read They Fired the First Shot 2012 again and get a better understanding because we have to be moving very quickly and very efficiently now. Uh, the price of silver is still providing us a gift. In the short term, it's just who has the stronger hands, the buyers or the sellers, and the sellers to some extent have infinite money. So they can draw a line uh, and, and hold a number, which is irrelevant in the long term and is irrelevant to the price of silver. It just means it's providing us a temporary opportunity that we should take advantage of because it's part of Our Lady's message. Our friend of Medjugorje wouldn't have written about it. And as Frank has said, um, I Fars is uh, one of five major writings, but uh, there are literally... Thousands, tens of thousands of writings over the last 25 years by a friend of Medjugorje that set the foundation of living the message. And so we invite you to um, get a hold of, of the writings of, from all of these years to begin understanding more deeply what it means to live the message. You know, I'd like to clarify that. I don't know if I'd say tens of thousands, but, but there are thousands. Um, when Our Lady said that to uh, create a new way of life, to follow her new way of life, everything we do is based into a message. I walk here, so there's a lot of things recorded that as just stories that we've done and just happenings that's happened and even raising money. Everything we send out, everything I write about sending out, about raising money for the mission, is a teaching. Sometimes some of those profound t- teachings are in the writing. 
It may not be a paragraph, but it's impacting. Everything we put out is based and rooted into a way of life. Whether it's in a milk dairy barn, or on a press, or raising funds, whatever it may, whatever may be happening. Whatever happens is a lesson for us. My son's visiting right now from Texas. He's 35. We went to morning prayer. We came back. It's still dark. Yesterday he went to confession. And here he's able to do a lot more prayer than he would even do otherwise. So he's in pretty good spirit. He walks across our balcony this morning. It's still dark. 6.05. And for some strange reason, looks out the window. You don't go that side of our, our loft. Nobody goes there. Especially when it's still dark in, in, in the morning. There's no reason for that. He sees, a, he sees a fire out there. He calls his other brother, Joshua. He says, what is that? And he said, well, it's just a red light. That's where the pigs are. Keep the baby pigs that we just had born. Then it's off in a distance from the house. And when Joshua passed it off, and he says, you sure? He went over and looked at it, and he, they just tore out of the house. The pig and the mama pig's there, and the whole pen's burning up. It's a pretty big fire. He's, he's fight, Josh is out there fighting it with his... Uh, he grabbed two extinguishers. Kyle's trying to find the hoses. The whole pen's on fire. The mom with the babies are all on the side, right in the corner where the fire was right up to him. And it took him 20 minutes to get it out. And my point is, is everything's a lesson. He decided to go pray yesterday, go to confession, did his morning prayers here, been praying in union, and, and he had the Holy Spirit could speak to him to go to that window. There's no way nobody, it was, we just walked by there just five minutes before that, leaving the field. Some people go, my other son Tony goes through there, and some other people go there and stay with him. They all walked past the pig pen and went on fire. So for the time of 6 o'clock, just after 6, to 6.07, 6.08, that fire had started. And he happened to be there right when it started. Actually, it wasn't that big. By the time they got down there, it was flaming because of straw, it was, uh, boards that were already half of them burned up. I'm just giving you this story because there are literally thousands of things we write about and talk about and we've recorded in our history. Because our lady says, I want to use you and I want to do, God wants to give you miracles in your everyday life. This is miraculous. Why? Because we're on our fourth breed that we're checking out and we think we finally found the breed we want we have one mother that we had to search across the country to find to start a whole new herd of what we raise with our hogs that may not sound like a big deal with you you're just talking about pigs on metronomics big deal how big deal is is pigs you can make the roman empire out of it oh really is that exaggeration no the roman empire became the roman empire because of one thing they started pigs. Today, this day, you go there, you got the prosciuttos. You got all kind of hams, all kind of meat that the, the Italians do with that. But Rome was 200 years ahead of every other civilization because they started harvesting and growing pigs. It was an animal that was prolific. And they were able to jumpstart way ahead of any of the civilizations. I was shocked. I just saw that in, in a museum last time I was in Rome. I've been there many, many times. Took a picture of it. I couldn't believe it. They show a triangle. Pigs, cows, chickens. 
But the pig was it. And so, this is part of life. And that was a miracle this morning. Because you're going to come a time that if you have a horse or something, and you lose it, you may very well lose the means to plow your fields or, or, or transportation. We don't know what it's going to be like. But I do know, and I was telling everybody about this whole lesson this morning, a story of a father who took his son over a plane, and he said, look out over there. He says, there's destroyed families out there. His son asked, what do you mean? He's out there has, has buried hundreds of horses and mules and cows. And some of those cows was the only milk cow that family had, and they worked their, half their marriage to get to it. When they lost it, they were stricken into poverty, or they lost their mule. They were stricken for decades into poverty. It's a big deal. Things are changing. You need to think and you need to reflect on what is important. And so this morning for us is more than just, okay, we lost some pigs and it's 10 babies. Just had two, three days ago. That's why a heat lamp was in there. Somehow the heat lamp set it afire. But it's a miracle for us that you walk by there, it's not there, and somebody is in a position for the Holy Spirit to speak or motivate to go look oddly over there at that window. We don't walk on that side of the house on the second floor. And he sees it. No way. And they, he caught it right at the beginning of the fire. Had he waited. By the time they got down there, it was raging. They saw it. Just two little flames when they saw it. So, the pig's all right, we think. We don't know if we got baked ham already on some of the baby pigs. We're not sure I hadn't been back down there. I had to come up. My point is, is, is God wants to work everyday miracles in your everyday life. Are you listening? Are you in tune? If you got television, you're doing video games, you're doing excessive pleasures, you're doing your sport things, you do all these things, you're not going to hear them. And you won't have the answers. You say, well, I don't know what to do because you're doing the wrong things on the other side. Get clean, get pure, get right. Frank, what's your contact information? You can contact us uh, toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website has general information. It's globalsilverinvestors.com. Well, we'll be talking to you, what, today's the 24th, tomorrow, actually, for the 25th message. Be praying for that and be on your knees. That's history in the making for eternal life. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.